0: Okay, on the original board that we did when we did the study of Romans um, we had some extra things written on there. Uh, We posed some questions. Does righteousness cancel out unrighteousness? And does unrighteousness cancel out righteousness? Does sin cancel out what?
1: What's the opposite? Well, we had this life cancel out death. Yeah,
0: there. it's not really down <laughs> Yeah, but
1: um, <laughs> sin, to me, sin and death are the same thing. Feel some. <laughs> Godliness, I guess. I don't
0: know. Okay, I'll do it myself. She doesn't want to play with well. <laughs> So, yes, you spoiled the high point. Does death cancel out life and does life cancel out death? These are the questions we pose, those kind of things.
1: Does grace cancel out works and mm. works cancel out grace?
0: Well done. See, now we're in sync. We pose these questions to help us understand that there's a very narrow road of walking in righteousness. Um, when we looked at the letter written to the Church in Rome, We see a similar thought pattern Uh, in the other letters, we see that uh, Paul is addressing something. And we want to address those things very, very sternly in our own lives and our own mindsets. If we have received eternal life, then did it cancel our death. we have been proclaimed righteous, then did it cancel out unrighteousness? Because the church seems to be extremely confused about the whole thing. Those that are most adamant that are blessed and have given authority and so on, they are spending half their time fighting attacks from the enemy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So why are they so confused? They're sitting under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, scorching themselves while saying we are saved. And this is why we want to make sure that we're not the same. When life came, that it cancelled out death. So I want to start there. And today we're going to work our way Do you want to tell them what we are focused on, what we are doing?
1: Okay, so today we are not going to do anything uh, new. We are going to recap, revise, firstly on the human Mm armour. Remember in 2018 we did Mm -hmm. a series on the armour of God found in Ephesians. And then we contrasted that with the human armor. So we're going to have a look at that again today. And then we're going to connect that to the separation truth. Mm. Not only the truth, but the functionality, the way it works, what it does, why it works, and why it's (coughs) so important. And um, we felt it's quite applicable to the season we are in, the time of the season, and the changing of the season.
0: And why are we doing it?
1: Didn't I just. <laughs> <laughs> why are we doing Back it? Get to the script. Okay, why, yeah. are doing, why are we doing it? Because in, our, in the season that we are in, uh, with the closing of the year, the spiritual year, uh, we have become aware of a few things popping up in all of our lives. Um, the Lord is bringing up certain things, certain aspects not just of our lives, but very importantly, of our own person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and our own character. Mm -hmm. Uh, He would be highlighting these kind of things because this is uh, pointing out to us the things that still need working on, things that he intends to work on in the next season, trying to give us more perspective that we don't think we're uh, ahead of where we actually are and also so that we don't think we're behind where we actually are. So this is both positive and negative. Mm -hmm. And um, over the past, I'd say two or three weeks since we kind of announced the breaking of this season, um, various things have been popping up in people's lives. So circumstances, situations, uh, people, and we've been receiving messages, comments, uh, calls from people saying, Pray with me. This thing is happening. Why is this happening? Why is the enemy doing this? And um, the reason we're going through the human armor and separation today is because we want to shine a light on the fact that because of this time of year, it's most likely not the enemy doing these things. All of most of what's coming up now is coming from ourselves. Remember, the enemy can only use what we give him.
0: So now, let's quickly just to get our. Uh, We do these little intros so that everybody can have the same perspective, understand why we're doing what we're doing, what is the purposes. Firstly, we are still focusing on equipping ourselves to share the gospel with someone. In the process, so we're doing three or four layers of things at the same time. In the process on focusing on how to share the gospel with people, we are also recapping on certain things in the process we're hearing from the Lord, what, is it, what does He want to focus on in the teaching and we're also incorporating and looking at what is coming up in the fellowship, what is the Spirit speaking to us about, what is He highlighting, so we're actually connecting a few connecting a few threads. So firstly I want you to listen to this teaching and with a mindset and a focus on, we're equipping on how to share with others, understanding the people that we're speaking about. In order to understand who we're talking, or the people that we're speaking to. Now, in order to understand the people that we are ministering and witnessing to, we're using uh, the memory and the understanding of where we come from. How did the Lord work with us? How did the Lord work with us together in connection with each other? What did He teach us? And why did He teach us these things? He was correcting certain things in us by teaching the teachings that He he gave us and therefore we have to assume that the folks that we are going to encounter would not have come through these truths and adjustments yet. So that's the kind of mindset that I want you to take in. We are going to look at the separation list and look at the human armour again so that firstly we understand the person that you're talking to are going to be in a certain position, they'll have a certain perspective, they will know certain things from a certain perspective and these are great tools to find entrance, to break through the human armour. Now we're going to look at human armour quickly, because the human armour helps us understand what might be happening with the person. Why are they so stubborn? Why are they struggling to hear us and understand us and accept Mm -hmm. the truth? We're going like, it's obviously the truth. (laughs) It's not hard. And yet to that person it looks like he just can't get it. He's wearing a human armour most probably. Okay. And if we understand the human armour, we can understand what's happening with them. We have to find ways uh, where the truth can pierce through the human Mm armour. We have to get through the human (laughs) armour. Okay. So Nadia is going to explain again to us the human armour. Now, put up your hand if you can remember the human armour. The whole thing? You, you understand? You, and you remember the basics? Okay, so you remember the basics? Okay, so it shows that we can actually go through it, because some people were not here, and let's go through it again. It'll help you when you're talking to someone. Check for the human armour coming up, and she'll explain it for us. Thanks.
1: Okay. <coughs> so in Ephesians, we know that Paul writes <coughs> That to be able to stand, and then he mentions the word stand four times, we are to dress ourselves in the, says put on the whole armor of God. Uh, now, um, we're not going to go specifically through the elements of the armor of God, there's a whole series on that, which you can go look at. Um, but before we look at the human armor, there's something we need to keep in mind about the armor of God. It's God's armor. It belongs to Him. When I get saved, when I die and I'm resurrected, God doesn't give me my own armor that is similar to His. Mm-hmm. So I don't get my own piece of armor. It's God's armor. Mm-hmm. He doesn't borrow His armor for me in times of need so that I can withstand the wiles of the devil and then give it back to Him. It's His armor.
0: Can mm-hmm. we quickly, I just need to, this is, This is an original saying that the Lord gave to me years ago and I love it. So I want to say it. You go for it. I always thought you wake up in the morning and you put on your armor. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Why the heck did you take it off?
2: Why did you go with that? To go to bed.
0: When is is Satan's favorite time to attack you? At
2: night.
0: (laughs) What do you do? Do you hang it on a hanger? Do you dry clean it overnight? Polish. Put it in the washing Put in the washing What? I don't know if faith can shrink in the washing But I'm not going to take the chance I
2: have a jersey Wash a home. cold,
0: cold body I have a jersey, my favourite jersey It was perfectly fitting when I bought it Then it got washed Now it's got long sleeves like this And it looks like a coat Great for winter Beautiful Okay, so if faith if that happened to faith, then I'd wash it all the time. But it's not the right word. Okay, so so for those that's gonna watch this watch this on the internet, if you've ever been told put on your armor on a daily basis, forget it. Okay. It is if you think about it it's dumb. It's a dumb thing to say. And yet it's been said a million times. Okay, <laughs> we go from this. So I first wanted to break through that idea, the armor of God. Now, you, I also reminded myself beginning days, I would get up in the morning and go like, Breastplate of Righteousness, so you can remind yourself.
2: Mm.
0: You can remind yourself of what it is. You can meditate upon those things. But let me tell you something. Most people that put on the breastplate of righteousness in the morning have no idea what right, Biblical righteousness is. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you see the problem here? Mm-hmm. So if we don't know what faith is, that's why if you go through what we have done over time, we have established what is faith, what is righteousness, now we can put on the right thing. Because <laughs> I don't want to know what some of those people look like when they leave their homes. <laughs> So now, if people have not been discipled exactly in what is righteousness, it means that the thousand people in the church, they are all dressing themselves in their idea of what righteousness is.
1: Hence the human (laughs) armour.
0: So let's go from there.
1: Okay, so, okay. Seeing as it's God's armour and we don't get our own individual pieces of armour, It stands to reason, and it makes logical sense, why we only have true access to the armour of God once we are baptised into Him. Because if it's His armour on Him, then obviously if we're in Him, then we have access to the same armour surrounding us and protecting us. Okay. So what about the people that are not in Him? Obviously they can't have even if they grow in understanding of the elements of the armor, if we're not in him, then they can't have true, full access to the functionality of the armor, what the armor does.
0: So a person that grew up in church now remember we our first focal point is talking to a person out there. The person that grew up in church never got reborn but they believe in God because they grew up in church is there any possibility they have access to the breastplate of righteousness so we see the picture that's where the problem lies okay.
1: so they can grow an understanding of what it's supposed to do but without being in him it can't do what it's supposed to do to its full function ok now we're not factoring in the back pay grace thing now ok But this means that, when any human being is born as a baby, obviously the person is born in in neutral. We don't believe that a person is born into sin. Okay, Born in neutral, but unclothed. Right? Naked and exposed.
0: Anybody have a question about not being born in sin still? Do we need to explain that? Okay, so the world out there believes that people are born into sin. There's... We, whenever we look at Scripture to determine truth, we use a little mental scale. Yes. And if we find one Scripture that looks like it's saying something, we're not going to create doctrine around it. We're going to look at the rest of the Scripture and then see how it weighs out. So, um, Paul very clearly says that he was okay, then the law came, then sin entered. He was alive. And then he died. Mm-hmm. Then the law came, and sin entered, and then he died. Okay, so we're not born into sin. We're born into an, a world full of iniquity. Mm-hmm. It's like taking someone, they clean, then if you throw them into the sewage, when they come out, they'll stink so we get born into the world and that's more or less so the sin is not in us
1: yeah the stink is not in the person
2: it
0: just comes from the baby
1: (laughs) your sewage was maybe not the best
0: okay okay so but the baby in itself
1: is pure okay so the baby in itself is neutral okay neutral born neutral unclothed but born into a fallen world a fallen world where we know that it says that Satan is the prince of the air. Okay. <clears throat> then, as a person grows up, obviously we're exposed to more and more of the elements of the fallen world. Um, we, back when we did the, the first teaching, this teaching the first time, we defined a bunch of fiery arrows. Things that the enemy uses to throw at us, that pierces us and hurts us. Uh, Things like disappointment, envy, hatred, embarrassment, jealousy, strife. Uh, All those kind of things that we know hurt us and injure us and sometimes... um, yeah, because of all the injuries, um, the person also starts using these as weapons, but we're not going to look at that. So the point is, a person that was born in neutral, unclosed, starts moving through a fallen world where hurt and injury is coming their way from every angle. Mm-hmm. Trying to hurt them, trying to pierce them, trying to injure them. Uh, we know that the enemy's three main purposes are to steal, kill and destroy. Okay but the person is exposed there's nothing covering them and so because of mostly because we know that most people journey for a while before they find the true god gets baptized and enters into the full armor of god most human beings and we're talking full spectrum most human beings discover At a young age already, that they're going to have to cover themselves with something, because we can't just remain exposed and kind of open ourselves up for all this injury and hurt, because it's it's not nice.
0: Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve with the fig leaves. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, so we need to cover ourselves with something. A person has to cover themselves with something to make them feel safe in some way or form. We're not just going to continue exposed through life. And this is where the human armor comes in. So, when speaking to people in witnessing, because remember our focus is on witnessing, when speaking,
0: yes. Okay, can I just ask, are you going to do the fiery arrows after all now?
1: I can do that now.
0: Okay. Let's first look at the fiery arrows mm. that will come against every person. Seed and non-seed, all the times of the life.
1: Okay. Um, okay, so here's a list of fiery arrows. So, doubt, rejection, envy, strife, jealousy, slander, anxiety, fear, unworthiness, Loneliness, suspicion, offence, guilt, condemnation, anger, irritation, self-pity, covetousness, and embarrassment.
0: Accusation.
1: Yeah, this is just, yeah.
0: I didn't put that on there. Accusation is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we should actually build out on that list and try and give it as comprehensive as possible but we can see what you're looking at. Okay. So that's what it looks like. Babies born not perfect. And then some babies can be left alone, they'll keep themselves happy in the in the cot. Play with whatever. then others start reacting in a fear of abandonment. Mm -hmm. How does that happen? What is it? Mm. See, we don't know exactly when and how demonic powers get access to human beings. Mm -hmm. But we are born into a fallen world and God doesn't just go and protect us. We fall, we come from fallen parents, fallen families and if, especially if a mother and father is not walking in the ways of God and they, they're home because if we are in Messiah then our households will be protected but if they're not then it means that from the mo- moment the baby is born the game is on mm-hmm.
2: sure.
0: if the the, the the enemy usually works according to the things that's been established in the bloodline of the mother and the father so you can look up three, four generations but usually that generation and their parents and if there was a fear of rejection there they're going to try that on the baby why this baby? certain babies just reacting this way then they become these clinging toddlers they have they would have received all the love in the world, but now they are irritating their mother so much that actually the one thing turns into the next, into the next, into the next. Do you see what, what, what happens? These are the fiery arrow- arrows. In other words, it's the ministry of demons. Later in life, um, the enemy is going to use us. The f- arrows by which we've been shot, we pull them out and then we shoot dead at each other. Now once you, have a, once you have a weakness, a vulnerability to rejection. That demon of rejection is going to just sit there and shoot one arrow after another. Sure. <laughs> Boy, I've been doing this, I can do this all day, rejection, rejection, and then the person with the rejection is going to pull those arrows out and shoot the people around them. And so what you have in the end of the day, everybody shooting everybody. It's a bloodbath out there, okay, and so just to understand the dynamic. Okay.
1: So when looking at the human armour, when we're going to look at it now, um, we want to be careful, obviously we're going to see the elements are not godly, obviously, because it's not the armour of God, however, when this is giving us another perspective at the person we're speaking to and trying to discern the person instead of what they've tried to cover themselves with. Um, We don't want to judge the person. Uh, Because of humanity losing the knowledge of God they have tried to cover themselves to protect themselves with what they knew, Mm -hmm. what they've been taught and so we want to keep this in mind. We're not going to excuse their actions, or excuse what they've done to try and cover themselves, but we understand that they are in need. Okay, so this just shines a light on, on the um, perspective we're going to take on this. Okay. <coughs> so first, we know that the armor of God has the helmet of salvation. Okay. Now, the helmet of salvation is centered around based on the knowledge of God, because it covers the head. Okay, so we understand that salvation is not just a moment, but actually a process. We respond in faith and then we see that the apostles, especially Peter, helps us to understand that when we respond in faith, but then salvation is actually a process and we end up, once we... um, get to the end of our road then we've reached salvation which means that as we increase in the knowledge of god and in the knowledge of his salvation plan uh, we enter deeper into salvation so this does not mean that our salvation is dependent on how much we know Um, Because we know that God finishes the work from His side, this is where grace comes back. But we get to enter into the reality of salvation the more we grow in the knowledge and understanding of who God is, His ways, His plan and His word. Okay. So if we think of the Son of God Himself, who is salvation, everything that He knows, all that He knows, is who the Father is, the entire will of the Father, the entire plan of the Father and he becomes salvation. Okay, so this is what we have in the armor of God. In contrast to that in the human armor, what we have is the helmet of ignorance with the veil of religion. The helmet of ignorance with the veil of religion. Okay, so the helmet of ignorance, where the helmet of salvation is centered around the knowledge of God, the helmet of ignorance is when a person doesn't want to know or think somehow they already know either way this makes a person unteachable cuz either they don't want to know or they think they already know and then we see how this connects with the veil of religion right mm-hmm. most people use ignorance as as a protective excuse so the I don't want to know what I already know is some way is an excuse to protect themselves from the truth. Okay.
0: Now we want to <coughs> check throughout our walk that we don't hang our helmet of salvation on the it's the headstand and um Somehow end up with the wrong helmet again. <coughs> now we're discovering how all this works. Remember, we used to u- wear that other helmet for a very long time. Uh, we kind of our heads grew into it, and now it's so easy to go back into it. Okay. When do we? Where, how can we recognize when this happens? mmm Heartfulness. so when 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 we not we we become, we come to a place again where we're not even aware of what we're doing and why we're doing it and how we're doing it and where did it come from and, and we miss it somehow our heads our minds have gone back to assumption. So, we not we don't want to condemn ourselves, but here's the thing. Put on the whole armour of God is part of the reality of walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Now, it does say walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. It means that we can still veer back into the flesh. That's why it says put on the armour of God. So, although we say You can't put it on every morning, we also do choose where we walk, how we walk, and what we dress in. Mm. Now, just as we go back into the flesh, what armor is the flesh still wearing? Not the spiritual armor. No, no. The flesh is still dressed in the old armor. The flesh is never going to take off that armor. The spiritual you is dressed in the armor of God. The physical you, mm. is solidly dressed in the old armour. Firmly and
1: tightly. Mm.
0: Right. So that, that harm at the moment we go into the flesh, what's it going to cause? Cause
2: ignorance.
0: Ignorance, while we are fully confident that we know exactly what's going on, and know exactly we we're doing the right thing.
1: Remember when we did, when we looked at this in the original teaching, we actually used Paul as an example, where he said he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, persecuting the church and he did all of this in ignorance. So ignorance doesn't mean passivity or oh we don't know, we're just floating through the world. He did what he did in ignorance.
0: Okay. I think we understand that. Now it's just to, so we're going to receive this teaching in two ways. We're learning from ourselves so that we can witness to others. Now if you are finding yourself in a a specific day in your walk, next Wednesday, where you actually (coughs) walk in the flesh, and your head is covered with the human helmet, and you try and witness to somebody else having the human helmet what a nice chat that's going to be. <laughs> okay. Do we see the problem? Okay. So we witness effectively not only when we understand that that person we can identify the person is wearing the helmet but we are effective, we effective in witnessing when we sure that we are not using the helmet, we are using the right helmet of Salvation. Okay, doesn't make sense. Okay, let's move on with that.
1: Okay. So, next in the armor of God, we have the breastplate of righteousness. Now we've recently looked at righteousness again. We understand that righteousness. The reason it's God's (coughs) righteousness is because He expressed His will, and He is going to do everything according to the will that He expressed, and He is going to finish the work in perfection not veering to the left or the right staying the path okay so when we are so so righteousness the breastplate surrounds and protects our hearts right so the breastplate is going to surround our person and our heart with the will of god him finishing his work in perfection fulfilling his will in the human armor we have the breastplate of self-righteousness. Okay. Now the problem with the breastplate of self-righteousness is it keeps the heart from being circumcised. It makes it impenetrable, almost impossible to get to the heart of a person. And this is important because it's in the circumcision of the heart that we grow to understand that we have no righteousness of our own. We are completely dependent on his righteousness and this leads to salvation. And the way the, the breastplate of self righteousness works is fairly easy, is um, well I'm doing enough of the right things, not doing too much of the wrong things, and very importantly this is always in comparison to someone else. So according to my standards and my expectations, I'm doing good enough, not too bad in comparison to everyone else, and so I'm okay. That makes my heart feel safe, or at least I think it does. Okay. Um, So that's the breastplate of self-righteousness. Next we have, in God's armour, we have the belt of truth. Now the belt is supposed to keep everything together right keep everything nicely fitted together and so truth is what's supposed to surround us we weigh everything by truth we measure everything by truth we compare everything to truth because that's what's going to keep everything our lives our person our walks that's going to keep everything together
0: truth in the kingdom of god is only the word of god Anything that has been proclaimed about God, or has been proclaimed proclaimed by God, that is recorded in the Bible as truth. Truth can also be your truthful experience in walking with God, but this will line up only with the Word. Mm -hmm. That's truth. There is no other truth. Truth can never be subjective. Truth Mm -hmm. is concrete, Mm -hmm. determined. Otherwise, it's not truth. Mm-hmm. Truth is not determined. It's not truth. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is one of the big battlefields in our world. It's one of the, it's the battlefield uh, that uh, Satan is fighting on. He is fighting to move uh, the consciousness of humanity to a place where truth is subjective. Mm-hmm. Whenever you want to establish. And define truth. That is when humanity will come against you. They will Mm -hmm. turn on you. That is, if you want to become persecuted, just define truth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Send a message out to your entire extended family. Organize the organize a family meal. Get them all around the table, and then define truth for them. (laughs) (laughs)
1: See
0: how that goes. Probably
1: do it after the meal because no (laughs) one's going to eat. Yeah. Before they leave, like when someone says, well we should probably go, go oh, before you go.
0: <laughs> you work for a big company, just organise with the CEO, you want meet meeting, get all your colleagues together and define truth. And see how that goes, see if you survive it.
1: Don't do it if you're wanting a promotion.
0: <coughs> so you see, Satan is forcing humanity to live in a place where truth is not defined. Mm and uh, he will never want us to define it. For us, truth therefore is only what the word says. And so, it's very important. People read that and they go, well we're just going to speak the truth, not lie. That's not it, that's not the belt. Okay.
1: Okay, so in the absence of the belt of truth, what we, what a person would use to keep everything together, is the belt of culture about of culture,
0: culture. And what we know about culture, culture is subjective. Mm.
2: Mm. Is it also no. tradition. as well. Yeah.
0: Culture, tradition. The culture is learned behaviour. Mm. The wor- word culture simply means comes from What cult. we have learned, what we've learned. So culture is learned behaviour. And so when you have a group of people that over a period of time have learned to understand the world themselves and each other in a certain way mm. then you have culture. So from where we sitting if we hear that there is a tribe in the middle of the Amazon that are cannibals we go, no, <gasps> don't be. From where they are sitting it's like what? The tribe over there tastes really good. What's the problem? <laughs> Their culture.
1: So remember, so culture is, trying, is what we use to to keep everything together. That's why, unless a person is radically saved uh, or trying to trying to just be radical in any sense, um, you don't veer too far away from the cultural norm because that keeps everything together. Not just a person's life, but it keeps society together. It keeps. You know, nations together. This is the way we function. And if you're going to veer too far away from culture, then we're going to exclude you because you're ruining what we're using to keep everything nice and tight and compact.
0: Now, we create microcultures for ourselves individually, Mm. we create Mm -hmm. microcultures in our family units,
1: certain ways we do things.
0: And then the church creates microcultures within the church. Okay. Now this becomes the belt that keeps everything else together for them. So now when you are trying to witness to another person, be very aware of the belt mm-hmm. that they're wearing. Mm-hmm. Makes sense? Mm-hmm. So the human out there has a belt, a cultural belt that keeps everything together for them. Okay.
1: Okay, next. This is a big one. Okay, so in the armor of God we have the shield of faith. Now, the entire armor is supposed to be protective gear for the fiery arrows, but we understand that the shield is the main thing we use to actively protect ourselves with. Okay, the rest of the armor is there for if something gets past the shield kind of thing. Now, the shield of faith, the way it's going to work is, we know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. According to what God has determined and finished, we use that to keep out all the attempts from the enemy's side to attack us. That's what we use. We understand the plan, we understand his will, his ways, his word. We understand that everything he said will happen the way he said it. We keep all of that. That's our shield of faith. That's what we use to protect ourselves. Okay. In the absence of that, we have the shield of fantasy and fable. Imagination. So a person who is unaware or ignorant, uh, there are probably more words I could use in that list, of God's will and his plans that he has for that person for their lives and his greater plan and will is going to have to use their own imagination, their own fantasy to try and keep out the onslaught of the enemy. It's what they're going to use to try and convince themselves they're being kept safe. Okay. So this usually takes the form of and we're going to see that all of these elements are tightly connected but this is usually um, in a person's mind they create for themselves a picture of what their life is, what their person is, who their person is, uh, how their world fits together and with enough imagination and willpower they keep that picture going believing in their imagination and then if anything comes at them that might ruin this perfect picture you just convince yourself you hold up that shield of fantasy and fable and imagination to try and keep out just convince yourself that this is not happening my picture is being kept safe and perfect Um, we also see especially in the church world it could take the form of um, a person wanting something specific from God but it's not based on what God has revealed to them. So um, it might be a promotion at work. I really believe God is going to give me this promotion and everything might be coming at them that's showing this is not what's going to happen and yet they're going to go no this is what I believe and you know stand on their imagination use their imagination of no but God is going to give me this promotion. God will provide Um, and I'm not saying that God doesn't provide obviously but if it's not in accordance with what he has revealed if it's not faith then it must be imagination or fantasy or fable okay
0: now the thing with this shield this is this is an old story. Old um what they call these children's stories. Hmm? And remember the old story of the uh, prideful king that wanted the best
2: garments?
0: <laughs> <laughs> remember that story?
2: Yeah. <laughs> what did
0: the guy give him to wear? Not nothing. Nothing. <laughs> so all over the world we have these mighty spiritual warriors our ministry is spiritual warfare and they're running and the demons are going they're it. they can not it now that's what's happening
1: because they think they're holding up a shield but if it is the shield of imagination then the shield itself must be imaginary because if it's not real then what are you holding up
0: so that that's the danger, that's one of the most dangerous things. And um, unfortunately, uh, the greatest part of uh, all, the, the whole theology regarding our authority on earth in the Christian world is based on imagination and fable, not on scripture. And they built their shield accordingly. Now that's for the Christian, when you encounter people be aware of this. When you're talking about someone that's not necessarily a believer they've just built their shield around some other things Mm -hmm. and they incorporate whatever. Okay. Be aware of that. Now they're going to bring that shield against you. Okay. And it can keep uh, the truth at a distance.
1: So it's any form of a facade, usually. Okay. Next, um, okay so in Ephesians it says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So it doesn't specifically refer to shoes or boots or whatever. It just says, having shod your feet. So how so many
0: people I've heard said they sit and they put the shoes on in the morning.
1: We don't actually know, what is it a boot, go, is it a shoe? Is it and
0: d- I'm ready to go with the gospel because I put the shoes on? I go like, what's written in the first chapter of Ephesians? No, I don't know. <laughs> So you've got the shoes on? <laughs> yes, I'm ready to go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> go
1: okay, so <clears throat> having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel piece, Now, um, we're going to, because it's on the feet, we're going to use the idea of the shoe. Now, because it has to do with the feet, this is the part of the body that is connecting nearest to the earth, the ground that we walk on. Okay. So, and I, I think, I wonder if this might be the reason why, why Paul didn't define issue. Uh, because we know that Yahushua says we are in the world, but not of the world. And we're supposed to constantly be shaking off the dust from our feet. Um, we are on the earth, but we're not actually supposed to be connected to the earth. We're never really supposed to be grounded because this is not our homeland. And this is probably why Paul doesn't actually use shoes, because if we are prepared to go with the preparation of the gospel of peace, then um, we always use this imagery that while we are on the earth, we we understand that we are here and we are walking, but we're kind of walking just this much above the ground. So we're here, but we're not anchored, we're not flat on the earth, we're always just a little bit lifted up. So we're here, but we're not one with the earth and this is probably why Paul didn't actually use shoes because it's not necessarily to actually have shoes if you're not really touching the ground. Okay, <clears throat> so the feet's the part that's going to connect us to the earth. Now, if that's not what is surrounding our feet, Then we have the shoes of the preparation to
2: bondage.
1: Preparation to bondage, because that's the part that's going to anchor us to the ground, to the earth, to the dust. And this starts at a very young age and it takes various forms of kind of, you can imagine the shackling of our ankles, that which weighs us down to the earth and connects us very firmly to the earth. It's the way we are educated, Mm. mindsets, we did the whole Greco-Roman mindset, Mm. culture, tradition, um, society, where we fit into society, how society relates to us, uh, expectations from the world, what we expect from the world, and all of those things is very strongly connected to the earth itself and everything Mm. that is here. and. Uh, So if we're not, if our feet are not shod, have not been shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, then it is the shoes to the preparation of bondage.
0: Okay, so um, with the feet, connected with walking, walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. So very simple to understand the preparation of the gospel of peace, the good news of the covenant. Uh, the declaration of the covenant, the covenant has been um, uh, amalgamated in uh, another realm between the Son and the Father Himself. The covenant, we are called into the covenant, the covenant is never actually established on earth as such. Even when uh, God is cutting covenant with Abraham, He d- uses the emblems from this side, they cut the animals, but then remember there is a spiritual Aspect so that whatever is cut on this side is moved into the in-between Ram, where now the mystical emblem says moving between, Abraham is put asleep so that he can be brought into that side, so that is the picture again of us being returned to the garden and we live in a place where this Ram and that Ram meet. And so, when you go fully into the flesh, that's when you are fully touching down on the earth. That's also walking in the spirit, and that's the same part of the
1: armour. Okay. Okay. And lastly, in the armour of God, we have the sword of the spirit. (coughs) And the sentence construction is a bit strange, because it says the helmet of salvation And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We're not going to build out on all of that now. But okay, so we know at least that the sword of the spirit is referring very strongly connected to the word of God. We also know that when it speaks about in Revelation, whenever Yahushua, the son of God, is seen or revealed, uh, he is seen with a sword uh, coming out of his mouth which is the word and we've spent a bit of time now looking at the holy spirit as well as the agreement the full agreement and the fullness that is the father and the son we understand that it is the entire the holy spirit is the entire will of god the doing of the will of god and the fullness of the will of god <coughs> And. um in contrast to that, when looking at the human armor, so if the, <coughs> if the sword of the spirit is the will of God and the execution of the will of God, then in the human armor we have the sword of witchcraft, which is the expression, execution and exertion of our own will or the will of those around us. <coughs> Imagine, the,
0: uh, for a second, a person that is not coming to truth and is wielding, trying to wield the shield of his own imagination and creations with the sword of witchcraft. Imagine what a dangerous person that is.
1: So the, we know that the sword is the one part of the armour that actually is, that takes the form of a weapon. Now the sword of the spirit is a very interesting one and we have, we have said this before, we have taught this before that the sword of the spirit even though it takes the form of a weapon it's never going outward. Mm-hmm. If you're going to use the sword of the spirit you use it on yourself first plunges and penetrates your own heart first, manifesting the will of God, revealing the will of God in you first, in your own heart first, bringing yourself in line with the will of God first. We don't use this on others, we use this on ourselves. In contrast to that, the sword of witchcraft is always used outward as a weapon.
0: So now. We are going to apply this in two ways. Firstly, we keep keeping ourselves safe. We're going to use this to understand where we are. The more we understand it, the more we apply it, the better we do. Then, within the fellowship, we are going to apply this in another way. Somebody, one of you come to me with the armor of the flesh, I'm going to turn my back on you and walk away. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and it's not uh, fun. And we are going to now, again, remind ourselves that we have a basic principle. When somebody comes with self, we're supposed to walk away from that person, just as we're supposed to walk away from ourselves.
2: Mm.
0: Now, why do we do that? Mm. If one of us goes back into the flesh, and we dressed in that armor, and we come to another person in the fellowship, are we safe or dangerous? Dangerous! Do you want to have a coffee with someone that's wielding the sword of witchcraft?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Can we afford to be the one that brings the belt of um, culture back into a fellowship situation? Go drink coffee with somebody that you love. And you didn't check which belt you have dressed in this morning. What are you going to do in conversation? You're going to do harm. See why we are vigilant and aware of these things. Somebody wearing the other armor, say goodbye to them. See you tomorrow. Go back home, get rest.
2: <laughs> Are you
0: going out of the house dressed like that? <laughs> okay, so, so we see the practicality of this we have. <laughs> Telling or watching it. Yeah, so. <laughs> okay, this is uh, practical on so many levels. But now also we apply it to if we're going to be out there witnessing, sharing. Okay, and we, it helps us to understand the people at the workplace, people around us, what's happening, um, why the person is acting so stupid you can't understand, it's the hobbit they wear. wearing. No wonder they can't get it right. Okay so, does it, I hope this helps. Okay. Now when we see someone wearing that armour, we you have to quickly just check then we're not going to respond in the same armor because that person is going to threaten us. You perceive the person in the human armor and instead of us dressing us in the spiritual armor to protect ourselves, remember we used to, you, we used to wear that armor to protect ourselves. And then we start shooting arrows at each other. and we have, you, you won't have arrows to shoot if you haven't been hit by an arrow for a while.
2: Mm.
0: Where do people get the arrows that they shoot? It's what Satan shot at them. And now they, have, they are weaponized. Mm. Injured people are weaponized people. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. Uh, we cannot witness to the world out there. They are weaponized. weaponized we cannot witness to them unless we are fully dressed in God's armor. Then their weapons can't penetrate. Mm-hmm. Now how do we break through the, the defenses of the person we, we're witnessing to? They're going to pull those arrows out of themselves and shoot it at us. But it's not going to wound us. No. But they're going to run out of arrows. So the person with the rejection issue is going to keep shooting his rejection at you. And then at some stage there's no more arrows left. No, you gonna get. You have to get him to shoot years of arrows at you before you can break through to them. You can't afford their rejection arrows to hit you because then you're no longer going to be able to witness. But if they keep shooting their arrows, they're going to run out of it. And then you can break through. Doesn't make sense. This is the dangerous way we fight. This is the dangerous way we do things.
1: And perhaps just pointing out the obvious, uh, you can't come against, say, the belt of culture with culture. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's going to penetrate it is truth. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's going to penetrate self-righteousness is the righteousness of God. Mm -hmm. Um, We get all of that, right? Mm -hmm. So the two are...
0: So in one of the discussions on a pastor's group, a person mentioned... Uh, in a bigger context mentioned, but remember if you received, the, if you invited the Lord into your heart, then what was what, what? And I went like, can you please supply scriptural reference to the term, or terminology, uh, inviting Jesus into your heart, where is that written in the Bible? And um, the person obviously assumed I'm attacking their faith. Mm. Others came and said, yes, thank you for asking for scriptural reference. Mm-hmm. Where is this? Mm-hmm. And then others were going like, we can't find it, it's not there. So, and this person just went completely. You could see exactly what armor they were wearing. Because mm-hmm. as a Christian, they were out there, hopping and skipping along and thinking they're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Until they came in contact with someone that said to them, where's the scripture for this? and they took that cultural belt and just tightened it Mm. and went, you're not touching my belt
2: Mm.
0: with truth Mm. and that's what we're up against what we're up against so this person is fully dressed in an armor Mm. trying to keep us out they perceive the truth as an arrow Mm. you can understand this Mm. okay so Most of the times they'll try and avoid you and go fight. And and they are out there actually thinking that they're fighting on God's side. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You have an entire army dressed in a demonic uh, suit of armor. Thinking they're converting the rest of the world. Actually bringing those that were just lost into further bondage. This is what we're up against. Now, why is it important to understand? Because we can't make mistakes. Where we are positioned right now, we can't make mistake. to do the same. Does it make sense? So, in this time, we want to again renew our understanding of these things. (laughs) And we've got to understand that we have to be patient, loving, and ...consequent in the things of God. <coughs> uh, some people, some of the pastors on one of the things we I debated something, they spoke to each other as if I wouldn't see. They go like, is this guy crazy? We don't understand him, but we like his courage. Something like that, because... I um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> didn't
0: understand the things I was telling them, but I kept going at them. So um, eventually I won over one of the guys and I'm now building a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. But he was like, where's this guy coming from? What is this stuff he's saying? And I just said to him, go check the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Go check the scriptures, it's in there, it's in there. And so we win, we win them over slowly but surely. The same guy that was resisting me, he's now writing the name Yahushua in his messages. Mm -hmm. So, So we can win, but it takes a little bit of patience. You can understand I understand they're wearing that armor they don't even know um so i'm hoping this makes sense now let us go to romans chapter remember we're still busy with romans chapter one where and full strategy for witnessing to them remember full strategy for witnessing or speaking to the romans is He's going to establish the authority and the grounds on which they they, are, they would listen to, them, to Him. Why would they listen to Him? So He's establishing that by speaking specific truth to them. Then He's going to show them where their vulnerability lies, where they, they lack truth. He's going to show them that, yes, there's sin out there, and sin is sin, But then He's going to show them that they have gone into self-righteousness and from the inside of the Church they are now, they've become the judges of the world outside. Then He's going to show them that this is because they have veered back into the law. He's going to fully show them again that their salvation has been by dying and to uh, to themselves and the dying of the Lord and in resurrection. Then He's going to ultimately take them to Romans chapter 8 where it boils down to election, mm-hmm. the perfect will of God, dying in baptism and being filled with the Spirit, and then He goes to inheritance and fullness in one man. But He builds it slowly but surely because He understands that those people in the Church in Rome, they think they're okay. They think they're no. So He's relating to them and talking to them, slowly but surely breaking through the human armour. So we're looking at his strategy in sharing the Gospel. He understands the people he's going to talk to, the people he's going to encounter. He understands where they're coming from. He understands that they think they're fine. They think they know and they think they, they understand things. He's slowly but surely taking them back to what actual salvation is. Okay. But now let's look at chapter 10. So remember, so he writes to them about people thinking... In the, in the, because that's why that's why chapter 1 is so difficult to understand. Because he writes about everything that can be known about God is, is revealed in, in, in creation. He says that you've rejected, you've chosen not to retain the knowledge of God. Therefore God has pushed you into your sin. And now you've even forsaken the proper use of being a female or a male. Then he goes, it looks like he's going into sin all kinds of sinfulness and, and people people that don't understand what he's writing is going, see, there, he's pointing out what everybody's doing wrong but then all of a sudden he's changed his direction and it always perplexed me I'm like going, thank you Paul for writing about homosexuality well done, I can use this and then if I just read, it, read it a little bit uh, further I go like, but now you just blew the wind out of my sails because now you go... You're not supposed to judge. What am I supposed yeah. to do? And we can now understand why He's done this. Because yeah. he's, he's, he's going, don't, don't you become judgmental and self-righteous in the process.
2: Yeah.
0: Right? Because And he's, he's, he's definitely using the backdrop of the template of the Sermon on the Mount. He's keeping that in mind. Because remember, they would have been well-versed in everything the Lord yeah. has taught. His template, His cornerstone, is what the Lord taught, and he, you can see how He's using it in the letter to the Romans. We have to have the same mindset, okay? Now, um, chapter 10, I'm just going to read through it and then highlight something out of it. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for to God for Israel is that they may be saved, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Now, this links in. With the fact that he is he's advising the church that they should be aware of the fact that this is a, a, a the faith, the true faith in Yahushua has to be be uh, established in the knowledge of the Scriptures. He's gonna he's gonna lead up to this, and he's going to and unfortunately this means that they're gonna need the Jews, the Hebrew people, to teach them what they know about the Scriptures. he's letting the Romans know this is not a new faith. You need to understand where you come from and honour that, honour the Fathers, honour what you have done. Then He warns them, but don't let the Jews draw you back into the law. So you've got to understand that this is also progressive and coming from the future. Then... Um, then He says, but not according to knowledge. Now, I have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Um, and this is very... This is very interesting. Because if there's any group of people that you would think has the knowledge of the scriptures, it's them. Then he says, For they've been ignorant of God's righteousness. So this is the thing that the Jews have lost. The understanding of God's righteousness. What's God's righteousness? The fact that He reveals His plan in the very beginning. And they got stuck in the center somewhere where they said, Well, God chose us. He's our God, and salvation comes through the keeping of the law, and they forget that they come from Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and that there was two sons that blessed. This basic truth, with other words, knowledge, the knowledge that is godly knowledge, and uh, understanding God's righteousness, goes has to go back to Shem and Japheth which is election and the seed. Without it, we end up where the Jews end up. Mm -hmm. You can know the entire Bible, if you don't factor in the seed and election, you end up being a Pharisee. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And you have zeal not according to knowledge and the righteousness of God. And seeking to establish their own righteousness, see now he's back at the the way that he starts off in chapter 1. And how do we show people often where they have gone wrong? We, we show them how other people are doing it wrong, and then they go, yeah, I can see that, and we go, you're doing the same. Okay, <laughs> to establish their own righteousness. <laughs> 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 I have not, a sta- I have not submitted to the righteousness of God, for Messiah is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Mm. Now, quick pointer. For Messiah is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone who believes. A person who does not believe, this does not apply to them. Messiah is not the end of the law for them, for righteousness. Okay. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, the man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart you will ascend into heaven. Do not say in your heart, I will invite Lord Jesus into my heart. Do not say in your heart, you will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Messiah down from above. The Lord does not want to leave his kingdom and his throne to come and live into your putrid little heart. How the heck does an unbaptized person say to the Lord, Come and live in my heart?
1: And he accepts. He's like, Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yes, it's so. the
0: dirtiest, stinkiest place on earth. Where's Why the would he want to move in there?
2: Mm. See what I'm saying? It's the corruptible,
0: incorruptible. Yeah. They may be incorruptible. So the person comes to church. He becomes aware of the fact that He is extremely sinful and abominable in the, in the presence of God. He's in the process where He starts to go, Lord what do I do? Please free me from Myself. And then someone from the front says, well why don't you ask Him to come live in your heart? And He goes, I was just about to turn my back on Myself, run, and now You are giving me this advice. That sounds great. Let's both just stay here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, anyway. So that's what he's saying here. Okay, um, that is to bring Messiah down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Messiah up from the dead. But what does it say? Okay, now, the righteousness of God. Uh, but the righteousness of faith. Says this. The righteousness of faith says this. Okay. The righteousness of faith says, The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. The righteousness of faith says, The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So it's basically proclaiming that what he had, the word of faith that they preach is the righteousness of faith and that is what's supposed to speak. Okay, now. The, okay, now. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Yahushua and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm -hmm. This is something very important to keep in mind when we are going to witness to others or share the Gospel with others. Because this is one of the first things that they are going to bring out of the um, debate. uh, Uh, defenses. Listen to what is written. It says. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Yahushua. And believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. Not you are now saved. or you have now been saved. When you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. You have now entered into the process where God will save you. Makes sense to anybody here? How long did it take from the moment that you first confessed to when you were actually saved? But His promises are true and faithful You confessed, and He did save you, just not on that day.
1: Well, on the day, (laughs) yes, (laughs) but not on this day.
0: So yes, it's true. You confess with your mouth and you start believing in your heart, He's going to take you through a process, you will be saved. There's many other scriptures now that says, if you continue in the faith, you will be Mm. saved. See how it works. And the, what has the devil done? He's told them, well, all you have to do is, in a moment of enlightenment, blurt it out, <laughs> 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 and uh, voila! Eternal life is yours.
1: magic. I'm just going to snap the sword around and then, ta-da! So we've
0: got to understand this when we're speaking to people, that it says you will be saved, and then many other scriptures talk about if you continue steadfast in that which their Apostles do. Those who love me will keep my commandments. Now see how that works. So there's the truth of Abel. Abel believed. That's why he brought his sacrifice. And in the... Fulfilling of the correct action, lifestyle, continuing, Mm -hmm. in that which the sacrifice signifies, he was saved. Cain also believed. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: What did he do? He did not continue the knowledge of the Lamb of God, Mm -hmm. and was not saved. So this is very important for us to understand correctly that's why it's so confusing when we look at people and we think that they they confess they think they're saved someone lied to them said you will be saved Okay. for with the heart one believes unto righteousness this is where salvation hinges on Mm -hmm. So, from the beginning of the book to the Romans, to now, his focus is on the righteousness of God and us believing unto righteousness. So, he's warning them from the beginning. In all the world, they're talking about your faith. I'm going to come to you and I'm going to preach the gospel to you because I want to bear fruit among you. Now, you must, must keep in mind that everybody's talking about you already. You do not want to reject the truth. So now, let's go into it a little bit see what it's doing because he understands that that many of them have started off confessing the Lord believing in their hearts but with the heart you believe unto righteousness not self-righteousness so he wants them in the beginning this has led you to self-righteousness let's finish the process for you Okay. Um, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved now this is going to link in with the baptism that He has explained and the way that the law is cancelled and you come into covenant if you believe that the Lord has raised Him from the dead then you also will understand if it is explained to you that you have to die and be resurrected for there to be resurrection right now for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confesses. confession is made unto salvation for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no, now he's referring them back to the scripture. Mm-hmm. It's very important to understand what he's doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He's, putting the, he's, putting, he's, he's pointing them back to what the scripture says about the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And the prophecies of Isaiah. So next week we're going to backtrack a little bit to chapter 9. To see why he's doing it like this. Okay. Um, for the Scriptures, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew, Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. Who For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay. Why did He, why did he point them back to the Scripture? Because He's going to say, call on the name of the Lord. Now, this goes back to Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Remember, salvation is also believing on Him who sent Messiah mm. and that's another point uh, where the Christianity has gotten confused believes on the name of Yahweh and the fulfillment of the, uh, the that which His name points to mm. Mm. so that which His name is is uh, manifested by Messiah on earth and fulfilled by Messiah so that is what is necessary for salvation Right. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? Now this is where we, our process right now, where we are at. Why are we teaching this? How then shall they (laughs) call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, yeah, we are sent, and we have to be able to preach the good news of the covenant of peace. We bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So now, what has he just done? He says that how will people believe if they have not heard, if they do not know him, and how will they know him and hear if someone is not sent with the gospel of of the uh, Covenant of Shalom and then he says, he he goes back to the Gospel that Isaiah preached so he's saying, how will they be saved if they don't believe the same Gospel that Isaiah preached? He's making pretty sure that they have no idea anymore that this is a new Gospel, a new story that Mm -hmm. the Church has their own little new Gospel and it should be the Gospel that Isaiah preached it's by that gospel that they are saved. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm telling you, this was a, probably one of the most difficult tasks that I faced. Mm-hmm. Figuring out what the covenant was. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It took me. It took me years. It took a lot of searching and praying and working through mm-hmm. it. It, had, it perplexed me. I keep sitting with church leaders and going, what is the covenant? Mm. And you know what they would mostly talk about is their vision for their church. They have no idea what the covenant is. And then in Bible school they tell you the, the textbook story about covenants. They have no idea what the covenant is. And that's where the problem lies. Mm. It took a lot of time. He's plainly writing it yet. It still took me years to figure it out. Um. So now you're saying, uh, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Who has believed our gospel? So then faith comes by hearing. Why is he connecting the gospel that Isaiah preached with faith? And hearing by the word of God, the word of Yahweh. But I say, Have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. And then he's going to go to Moses. Moses preached the gospel. So this is where we're going to just pause and next week we'll pick up there. Next week we've got a very, very important teaching lined up. It's the highlight before we carry on with the next year's curriculum. And we will come back here. Okay. But, now we're going to read through. So we're doing several layers. Understanding the person out there. Understanding how we're supposed to be positioned to witness to them and preach the Gospel to them. And in this time of preparation, understanding in light of the year we've had and where we are going, vision, how we have to make sure that we continue in the right way walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Because we want to be effective in sharing the Gospel. Okay, we want to win people over. Preaching the True Gospel is extremely difficult. As a matter of fact, it's impossible. I still can't believe that we're having any success whatsoever. (laughs) Miracles. (laughs) Miracles. Right, we are going back to Chapter 1 or or Chapter 8 of Romans. Now... The separation. The word holiness or holy means separated. The Holy Spirit when He comes into your life, He starts to cut you and separate you unto God. The entire scripture is always to teaching us to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. The entire armor of God is the character and the person of God. Now if you dressed in the armor of God, in other words, you dressed in the character of God. Something is on the outside of the armor and something is on the inside of the armor. The point of the armor is to completely surround you and keep you safe. So you separate it in the armor from everything else. If you want to be part of that which is on the other side of the armor, then you need to take a part of the armor off or the entire armor. So if you want to give your friend a hug that is not safe, you have to take the entire armor off to give them a hug. Yeah, that's always a good idea. Do we see what holiness does? So we have worked at the separation truth, and it's look. It doesn't feel like good news in the beginning. Most of us, it separates you from your family, from your friends, from the world around you. There's no other way. You cannot cannot be with God and not be separated onto it, because holiness, holiness is what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the Holy Bible. You come near it, it's going to start cutting you away from everything else. Mm-hmm. Or for those that are not going to be saved, that Bible will cut them into the world and away from God. Mm. Mm. But anybody that touches, come near the Word of God, are coming to the sword that separates. And mm. the person will be, it's like a milk separator. Cream the side. Okay, so we get it. Okay, that's it. And so the Word of God works like this. Now, we have worked out this out for us to see how we're doing in the separation. Because what we want to do is we want to find a balance in the beginning. Most believers want to strike a balance. So, for he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption.
1: This is Galatians chapter 6 verse 8.
0: But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So, does anybody want to quickly make a decision on where you want to (laughs) start? See, we've made that decision. We've got to remind ourselves about the fact that we have made the decision. There's no more decision to make. Okay, now this little list we've made so that we can monitor on on an ongoing basis whether we're walking in the Spirit or walking in the Flesh. Okay, let's go through in the Flesh. We We basically call the whole list if you have, if you're experiencing discomfort. (laughs) Discomfort. Now if you want to understand the concept of experiencing discomfort, tomorrow morning just put the right hand shoe on the left foot and the left hand shoe on the right foot and then spend the day. The first 10 minutes are going to be okay. It's
1: kind of fun. <laughs> kind of weird, banana-feet.
0: You'll giggle and you'll tell a few people that you encounter, look at what I'm doing. Okay.
2: By 12
0: o'clock in the afternoon, nobody's laughing with you anymore.
2: <laughs>
0: and
1: you're crying alone.
2: <laughs>
0: okay. Now, if you get home after an entire day of walking around with the shoes on the wrong feet, and you get home, and you complain to your family about your sore feet, are they supposed to feel sorry for you? No. They're going to go like, you're the idiot, you sorted out. (laughs) No, but we want to now have them rub our feet and look at our feet, and look how red my feet are today. I've been walking around in issues the whole day, don't you understand? (laughs) Your five-year-old will be be able to tell you it's your own fault, you're an idiot. (laughs) Then you go the next day and you go like, well maybe if I practice it, it'll get better. Eventually, after a year, I'm sure it's going to be perhaps right. the
1: shoes will kind of mold to my different feet, shapes, you know.
2: <laughs>
0: so, if you wanted to understand discomfort, just in case.
2: <laughs> it's
0: just the first one. Discomfort in the flesh. Alright. So, you're trying to squeeze the newly reborn, massive, eternally you into this old, wrinkled, small little, uncomfortable thing. Okay, now, discomfort as opposed to comfort. That one is straightforward, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, this is where you start broadly picking up something's wrong. Don't yet know exactly what it is, there's just general discomfort. Inward focus. Mm. If you're in the flesh, you there will be an inward focus. Mm. Self-awareness. Toil and
1: anxiety. Anxiousness. <laughs> Anxiousness. <laughs> Toil and anxious. Obviously a very foreign concept to him. <laughs>
0: and anxiousness.
1: And
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> Turmoil. Ineffective. Ineffective in what? Prayer life. Reading the word progression. Ineffective in trying to be happy. Ineffective in trying to laugh ineffective in trying to fellowship in freedom with the person next to you, Mm -hmm. ineffective in expressing yourself properly, ineffective in speaking live, ineffective. See how this is a very important one, when we start realizing I'm ineffective. So when I'm in the spirit, I can encourage others. When I'm in the flesh, man, I can try. OK.
1: I need encouragement. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> Unproductive. When you're spinning your wheels. Unproductive. In the place, we are demanding and entitled. Now, oh, this is a big one. We hmm. have total on entitlement. Man, can the world it's use a horrible, this horrible little thing. bit of information? Yeah. Entitlement. Um, Demanding and entitlement, now let's quickly pause, what does entitlement look like? Uh, is anybody searching <coughs> in yourself for that bit of information?
1: <laughs> no, does we're trying try to, to ignore it. Did <laughs> you go? And backtrack. <laughs> look and backtrack.
0: Entitlement. Now let's explore that one a little bit. Come, this is, this is where I want some feedback. It's a, that's a better one to... Mm, better pull to take out. Yeah. I
2: yeah.
0: so I deserve. Mm.
1: Yeah. I think that's one of the ones you can fall in. Easiest in progression. Mm. To think, yeah. think you deserve something. I think you deserve something. The world owes
0: the whole old mean.
1: Entitlement. Mm.
0: so we, we see this this particular one very early in children mm-hmm. demanding an entitlement. Now this is what happens when we go into the flesh now what 's the opposite in the spirit servitude.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Instead of demanding, we're going to give. Mm-hmm. Instead of thinking, I deserve, I understand that the uh, person over there deserves to be loved, mm-hmm. deserves to be informed, deserves to be helped, deserves to be served. Mm-hmm. Okay? Blindness and fear. We're going to mm-hmm. first go to this. some ignorance. Now we have um, grouped this together. Ignorance, misunderstanding, and foolishness leads to doubt and unbelief. Futile. Does everybody understand the word futile? Mm-hmm. Futility is another one of those terms that should be more prevalent in the world. Futility. Futility. Disregard. That's what ESO did. Now, when we're walking in the flesh, that's why we put curse here. That is where the world just doesn't want to listen. People insist that they have faith, they love the Lord, and then the curses is obvious in their lives. It's obviously that they're walking in the flesh, because only the flesh can be cursed. Personals walking in the Spirit are not going to be cursed. So what is the lesson we learn from this? If we walk in the flesh, we are vulnerable to curses. Makes sense? Mm. Like a biblical citation, which one? Bala. Mm. So when did they get cursed? When they went into the fleshly stuff, Mm. the ham. Okay. Uh, Powerlessness and inferiority. We have to pause on this one. It's a strange thing. When we go into the flesh, we feel increasingly powerless. Powerless. Inferior, because in the flesh we have to be um, compared Mm. to others. Mm. So the moment we start comparing ourselves to others, we go into the flesh. And somehow we don't measure up.
2: Mm.
0: False humility, now it's obvious that once you go into powerlessness and inferiority, inferiority will immediately cause false humility. Mm. Because now if you're a believer you don't want to look like you're comparing yourself to others. Am I right?
2: Mm
0: like a bondage, any form of bondage means you're in the flesh and not in the spirit mm-hmm. now that little sign there is the opposite of weight and glory that we will experience in there's no word, we couldn't find a proper word so
1: what it's a mathematical symbol um, that means so it's not zero it's basically if you have a vacuum uh, it might seem that there's nothing in there but there's still air molecules in there and then you can actually suck all of that out and then you have a vacuum and there's absolutely nothing in there that's what the symbol basically means is if you have a collection but there's not even zeros in there there's nothing, it's empty, void that's what it means So
0: walking in the spirit should bring effectiveness power, strength, wisdom uh, glory brings weightiness but this is the opposite of that. Anybody recognise this when you just can feel on the inside you're weightless? Mm. Mm. Is it familiar by now? Is it like you feel like light uh, in the <laughs> yeah.
1: Also, probably a lack of substance. Lack of substance.
0: Yeah. Ok, walking in the flesh. Contradictions. Contradictions. Hypocrite, works, in absence. When you go into the flesh, what happened to you when you went into the flesh a little while back? You became absent, your body was here, but you were not here. Do you see how it happened? Absence from the Lord, absence from the body, absence from the strength and reality and blessing that is surrounding us. So the, the word says that blessing will overtake you. Mm. So if we can call, cause ourselves when walking in the flesh to be absent from all of that which is actually available to us in the Spirit. Now, if we walk in the Spirit, comfort instead of discomfort. Outward focus instead of inward focus. People that walk in the Spirit make for better conversation. Right? Mm-hmm. Outward focus, not inward focus. There's nothing worse than encountering a person that wants to tell you everything that they've been thinking the entire day. They want to cause me to beer into the flesh. Anyway, so, causes me discomfort.
2: <laughs>
0: Somebody comes and they inward-focused, they cause me to become self-aware. <laughs>
2: anyway.
0: <laughs> so, walk in the Spirit. outward focus instead of inward focus, God-awareness instead of self-awareness. Provision. Uh, when we walk in the Spirit, there is provision and you don't have to toil and be anxious. There is peace and not turmoil. You are effective, not ineffective productive, not unproductive. You are responding in servitude instead of being demanding and entitled. Faith instead of blindness and fear. Knowledge. Did you know that fear is the opposite of faith? Okay.
1: And obviously you're fearful because you can't see.
0: In the Spirit, we are full of knowledge of the Lord instead of ignorance, and knowledge about the world and things around us. Our brains can function. Mm. Understanding instead of misunderstanding. Full of wisdom instead of foolishness. Faithful instead of futile. Uh, We experience favour with people and with God instead of disregard. Mm. How many times people come to me and say, I pray but it feels like God isn't... uh, Mm -hmm. And close. I remember mm. in the old days, people used to say to me, "Feels like God is far." Mm-hmm. Well, it's because you're in the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you will be close. Do you see how easy it is? Okay. Uh, favor instead of disregard. This is a big one. I want to pause here because look at what it leads to: worry. Blessing instead of curse, what does it lead to? No worries instead of worries. Authority, we walk in authority instead of feeling powerless and, inf- and full of inferiority. Uh, in the spirit we have humility. In the flesh we have false humility. In the spirit we walk in the dominion of the body on earth because we are all in the Lord instead of bondage. We can have the life experience on a daily basis, on normal moments of being weighty and full of glory, because we are part of the glory God instead of being zipped. Um, testimony, we have a testimony, so we can't fix our testimony unless we are walking in the Spirit, instead of contradiction. Witness, instead of being a hypocrite, and rest, instead of works. So if we go into works, we can just kind of glance up the list, we'll probably find most of those things are active. Um, and we are present. Mm-hmm. Present. Present. And that's all we're going to do for now.
2: Mm-hmm.